Mike Broomhead, good morning. Looks like you're starting the week with a Phoenix police chief. Absolutely. And uh, most people figured I would start my week with the police, but this is a whole different scenario. Uh, in studio with me is Chief Jerry Williams. Chief, welcome back. So thanks so much for having me, Mike. I, um, I just wish it was under better circumstances. It's all, it seems like, you know, we've had this conversation way too many times this year, and I know that we were going to go down a list of some of this, but right. let's catch up with what you can tell us about what happened last night at about 26th Avenue in Deer Valley. So at about 8.30-ish or so, um, we get a call of shots fired in the neighborhood. There's a random gunman just firing and popping off rounds. Uh, our officers get to the scene, and they're met with gunfire, um, but true to form with the Phoenix Police Department, our officers began the process of engaging the suspect, extracting officers who were shot and injured, as well as extracting community members. Unfortunately, and I'm going to extend my condolences to those community members who lost their lives in this, so we have at least two people who died in that, in that critical incident, but I will say this, I am certain that Phoenix police officers who arrived on scene, who engaged, saved many lives. When you uh, talk about the people that were killed, were they guests at that hotel? Can you tell us anything about the victims? It's a really great question. I don't want to say anything that, w- that would be untrue, so they're still on the scene, but we do know for sure that we have two community members who are deceased. Okay. Um, and the suspect was killed in this as well. Do you know if that's self-inflicted, or was that officer gunfire? I know it doesn't necessarily matter in the long right. run, but do, can you give us any details? So I do know that our officers engaged. Um, we don't. I don't know for certain if it's self-inflicted. We do believe that it may have been, but I also don't want to say that to um, just to make sure that that I maintain the investigation. Uh, we've also been told he was wearing tactical gear and and a Kevlar helmet. I mean, this guy was coming prepared for war. Absolutely coming Kevlar helmet, uh, tactical vest, high-powered rifle. Um, this individual was was set on doing damage to our community. How how long did this gunfight last? And how many? Do any estimate on how many rounds were were fired by this guy? Great question. I don't know the length of time. I do know that we can say safely that over a hundred rounds were fired. And keep in mind, this isn't a handgun, Mike. Right. This is a rifle. Right. And it's what's so fascinating, not fascinating. What is so crazy about this is that more people weren't injured or absolutely, killed. absolutely. So so again, I do believe those responding officers on the scene made that effort to make sure we didn't have more lives that were lost. And see, that's another thing I don't think people understand is when you get called to a scene like that, it's first. You're first on the scene. You act. You aren't waiting for people to come and join you. So you are literally in harm's way by yourselves until backup gets there. Well, absolutely. And as I mentioned previously, too, is our officers are on scene. Their vehicles, their Tahoes are being struck by gunfire. That is not the time where you're going to sit and wait. As usual, uh, the heart and passion of Phoenix police officers, they went right into action right away. I know they haven't released any the uh, anything about the officers, but can you give us anything about experience or about their injuries? And you know, if you can't release their name just how what do we know about them so what we know is at least one was uh, struck in the shoulder the other was struck with some shrapnel i do have an officer that had some hearing injury a lot of rifle rounds were being fired thank god um every one of those that i spoke to last night were in very good spirits their families were obviously upset um but we're feeling the support of the phoenix police department and our chaplain and thank you so much to john c lincoln deer valley they rock yeah, and fortunately, there was a hospital close by. I mean, that's not very far away. So right. um, let's also then talk about the perpetrator here. What can you tell us about this guy? Is there anything that you, any information you can give us? So can't give you any information other than, as you previously mentioned, someone with a tack vest, a helmet, a rifle, multiple magazines is not there to talk to you and have a good conversation with you. He or she is there to commit acts of violence in our community. And we're seeing gun crimes, Mike, not just here in Arizona, but across the country. It's 
it's just maddening. How um, do you have any idea how long he was registered in that hotel? Did you just register that day, or was it? Had he been there a while? So great questions, all of which I can't answer okay. because it's the early stages of the investigation. We had hundreds of employees there. We also had the help of some of our federal partners, as you know. We have a summer gun crime program that we're working with the alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. So they reached out last night. So we're still in the infant stages of the investigation. You just alluded to this. Um, going back to what was it, December of last year um, with the with the shooting of Officer Maldivan. Yes. Um, first of all, what a miracle that oh the strength Lord. of that young man and his oh family. Oh, my Lord. Yes. His, his faith and his desire to come back to work is miraculous. It's a, a, And it's one of the silver linings in these horrible yes. stories is that he was able to survive that young man. But yes. starting there until last night, you've got some details on right. what's happened just to your officers. Yes. Oh, just, just to those shots. So we've had six instances where our officers were shot. I didn't even get the numbers of the number of times our officers were shot at. So for those individuals who, who don't think we have an issue in our city, we have an issue with, with gun crime. The gun crime part is partially a police issue, but we as a community got to step up and do something about this. And as I said last night, it's time for us to all do something. When you uh, when you look at this, I mean, I, and we're going to talk hopefully about you uh, in your time as the chief of police in Phoenix. But when you look at this now in the entirety of your career, have you ever seen a situation like this with an ele- the elevation of violence we've seen? So I am I have not in 33 years ever seen anything like this. So as I ride to the hospital, I'm trying to prepare myself mentally to be that strong chief to exchange and give information to the community. But at the same time, little pieces of, of, of your your soul and your heart goes out to the officers and their families because they didn't they 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 signed up to protect and serve. They 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 know the inherent risk that they may get shot, but I've never seen anything like this in 33 years, Mike. Um what do you say to the family members when you meet them? Because it's one thing to talk to the officer, like you said, they sign up for it. But right. what do you say to the family members? So as I'm walking through the hospital, I'm not necessarily talking directly to the family members sometimes. Sometimes it's just a pat on the back. We're here for you. We're here to support you. We'll provide those resources and services. But when you look at the family members' faces, and I just got chills, you look at the family members' faces, you can tell that they're just so taken aback by how this has happened, but also kind of feeling a little blessed and fortunate, I guess, sometimes that their that their loved one is still here uh, when so many aren't. Um, I know we, we can't talk about names necessarily, but the officers that you're describing mm-hmm. and all of these incidents going back, the ones that have been able to return to service, have they? So the ones that can come back to work do, I will tell you, shoot, most of them, the vast majority of them are bent on coming back to work and doing this job because they want to do it for their brothers and sisters who came to their aid. They want to do it for the community. Um, We'll talk a little bit, bit more about recruitment, but this is a calling. And it's a heart and a passion to serve, a heart and a passion to work. Um, and these are true heroes in our community, in my eyes. Yeah, for the for the people that are on, on the job, that do the job, you understand the risk and you're willing to take the risk. But then when you come back and you say, I've been through it once, I'm willing to try to do it again, it's right. also got to be a strain on the families because oh, now, the, now, the, now the, the fear is real because it's already right. happened once. Right, right. But, then, but that, that's why we stress so much the importance of our employee assistance unit, our psychologists, our chaplains, our parents peer support. We just kind of wrap our arms around those individuals. And I always say, um, because I do call officers post-critical incident before they go back to work, if there's anything you need, please let us know. Because there could be an incident, that one something that flares up that causes...
causes them to have a mental health issue. Sure, and it would be as understandable as anything else. You've been through this once, you get into a critical incident again, yes. and, and you don't want to have somebody not be able to do their job or right. freeze up. And, and right. But there's such a – everybody I've ever seen at Phoenix PD has been so professional in how they do yes. their job. And this may be an odd question, but let's talk about the equipment and equipping officers mm, because you go to a scene like you went to last night, a guy with a rifle and tactical gear. Right. You can't just be there with just a handgun no. and, and engage and think you're going to be able to come out of that. Not at all, um, which is why we equip our officers with helmets. We equip them with shields. We equip them with rifles um, because we understand that, that we're trying to meet force with force. And that force of a rifle just doesn't equate to the force of a handgun. And one of the other things I don't think people realize is officers are looking around a situation when they're returning fire because unlike a suspect, right. officers don't want to engage and act, injure an innocent person while okay. taking. So you've got to look at the scene in front of you and make sure you're not going to injure somebody that's yes. just a bystander. Right, which which is why we had multiple officers on the scene and the uh, one of the officers did engage the suspect directly. So to your point, as they're arriving, they're being met by gunfire. So just, just put yourself in that scenario first. And having the wherewithal to come out, get your rifle, engage, as well as start evacuations and getting folks out of the scene. That's the part of it I don't think people realize. I saw a video um, a couple of years ago with a, with a very new officer in that area, actually, yes. 43rd Avenue in Union Hills. Yep. And uh, she was able to keep a suspect at bay. And you were watching in the video, she was looking around the parking yes. lot to make sure that if she had to engage, that there weren't civilians nearby. Right. So I mean, we, we train and we train and we train some more. We want you to stop the threat. The threat isn't the other community members around you. So to your point, there are multiple things that officers are keeping in mind while at the same time they want to keep themselves safe as well as keep our members of our community safe. What's happened recently, unfortunately, and I don't want to bring the two together, but what we saw happen in Uvalde, and there's now been officers here and uh, talking with the sheriff and talking with other people in law enforcement, the message has been, this is not that place. We will engage. Absolutely. We will, and so that that was reaffirmed last night. Unfortunately, it had to be, but that was your officers engaging in disregard for their safety right. to try to save the community. That is absolutely 100% true. And after, to, truth be told, after Uvalde, we pushed out information and briefing trainings to make sure our employees were Remembered, you have to engage because it's our responsibility to protect. And that changed um, years ago, but that didn't it used to be where you set up a perimeter and you, you it's officer safety and then you go in when it's safe. But that all changed when we started seeing these mass shootings. Or has it always been that so, way? So I will tell you, to me, it, it's always been that, that way. I mean, if we can wait and have the benefit of time, we do. But if there's something that is critical and exigent, you have a responsibility to act. Well, and, and uh, to that point, recently where they where the officer was shot for that domestic violence situation, the suspect was holed up in a in a oh, yes. in a home, yes. and so that was more of a situation where you could wait it out for a while yes. because he wasn't a direct threat to anybody else. Agreed. And and again, if, if we have time and containment, and and to your point, there's no other threat to other community members. We will obviously take that time. Um, obviously, last night they didn't have the instance or the chance to have that happen. Yeah, but it's nice to see that they had the training and the and the reaction that they it was obviously Definitely. training in that moment. It's it's all relying on it training, is. right? It's all relying on training and, and instincts and, and wanting to make sure your fellow officers are safe, too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to have one more segment here with the chief. Chief Jerry Williams joins us on the Phoenix Police Department. We'll be back in a moment.
strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Uh, we are back in studio with me as Chief Terry Williams from the Phoenix Police Department. And as we said at the beginning of the show, um, not the way we want to continue to see each other. Not at all. Let's talk about officer safety. And you had given us some statistics of what's happened just to your officers right. in shootings right. since last December. Yes. Um, but as a community, what's we, this weekend was a... Oh. A deadly weekend. This this weekend was 17 shootings in total and, and 11 homicides. So part of me says, not just as a police chief, but as a community member, who who is going to stand up and, and talk about the fact that this can't continue to happen? How much of it uh, is frustrating to you? Because I know about the program you have at Phoenix PD to yes. get illegal guns off the streets. Yes. Um, how frustrating is it that when you hear these things happen over and over again, it's prohibited possessors? These are people that are already by law not allowed to have guns. Exactly. Um, it is... It is one of the greatest frustrations that I have um, talking to my peer chiefs here in the Valley, talking to my peer chiefs across the country. It's something that we as a group have been trying to elevate because they're, they're, it, it's baffling to me to have someone who's a prohibited possessor be able to possess a gun and then create all this harm and damage to our community members. When are we going to stand up and say something? And what you're doing seems to be such a commonsensical thing to yes. do, which is let's target them because you have officers that are gathering intelligence like they do with drug crimes and everything yes. else. So a lot yes. of times you know who these people are. Right. Well, we, we what we also know, though, too, so we have a crime gun intelligence center, one of the few in the country, but we're realizing that a small percentage of people are committing the vast majority of the crimes. So quick stats, because I'd be remiss if I didn't say it. Since July 5th, uh, we've taken 711 guns off the street and we've made 525 arrests. Yet this weekend, we have one of our one of our most, most deadliest week- weekends. And um, in those arrests have been people that are also modifying guns to make them automatic weapons which Absolutely. makes them illegal. Absolutely. Makes them illegal. Um, we've had a ghost gun here or here or there. Um, but at the same time, we have to focus on that 2% of the people who are committing 80% of our crime. And see, that's the issue for me. And I, I don't want to, dra- I'm not going to drag you into my Second Amendment conversation, okay. but the conversation about people out there that are already by law, not allowed to possess guns, that are finding ways to buy these Ill- illegal yes. guns and then still committing these crimes. Yes. So we, what we need our community to do is, is if they know someone who's a prohibited possessor, because people know, um, please reach out and let us know. Keep an open dialogue with us. Um, Keep up those neighborhood watch programs because folks know um, interesting people who should or shouldn't be in the neighborhood, i.e. I've not seen this person before, um, but maintain that open dialogue and and be a responsible gun owner. If you own a gun and it's in your house and you have children, keep it locked up. If... um I don't know if you want to go into this, but is it frustrating for officers to see the same people back on the streets and you're rearresting? And, and sometimes when calls go out, you know who the people are when you hear the address. Right. You, you, you know who they are. I mean, any officer would tell you that oftentimes you arrest someone for X, you put them in custody and they're out before the end of your shift and or you see them the very next day. But what I appreciate about the resolve of Phoenix PD, that even though that happens, they still will make that arrest because that arrest matters. And a and of course, if they go through the process and they're they're convicted of a crime or they plead out to a crime, it's on their record. So it builds their record Absolutely. for future. Absolutely. Which for, is horrible to say that well, they have to commit a crime a number of times right. to really pay a price. Well, but but we still need to, to perform our responsibility. And our responsibility is just to put that person in custody. It's not just for us. It's for the victims that they're victimizing out there. Um, so let's talk about recruitment because I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't. We've been here. I've been hearing that you are getting better recruitment right now. 
now because of the pay raises for, for new recruits. Yes, absolutely. So uh, kudos again to Mayor and Council. I know I've said it before at approving those raises. We are actually seeing more people come through our process. And keep in mind, too, we've had to pivot a little bit on how we trained as well because we had classes. We just graduated a class of seven um, this past Thursday. But uh, we're looking forward to the future, looking forward to having more people come through the process. And isn't it interesting from a civilian's point of view, you would think what happened last night would be a deterrent for anybody that wanted to do this job. Right. But it seems like the people that want to do this job, it makes them even more um, anxious to do Absolutely. the job. Absolutely. So they're, they're, they're more folks focused on serving because they want to be part of that change to make the police department better and to make the community better. better. And, and I said it before, this is a calling. So this isn't like you're going to some grocery store or something to be something. You're actually, you stand for something. You mean something. Um, your service matters. Um, before I let you go, let's talk about the transition because a new interim chief has been named and we yes. know that he is going to be coming into the office fairly soon. Yes. What does that mean for you and your exit date? Uh, what that means for me, that's always a, a good one. So I did say to the city manager and to others that I'm going to help onboard interim chief Sullivan. Uh, once he is comfortable, then I'm going to uh, take some necess- needed time off, a little bit of time off, and then I'll make the announcement later on in the fall of when I'm leaving. Um, when an incident like this happens, like it did last night, does it make you wish you were staying? Does it change how you feel about your service? What is it? How does it make you feel? Wow. So, so anytime these incidents happen from a chief's perspective, and I, and I said it last night, it just takes a, a little piece of your soul. It just chips away at you a little bit. Does it make me want to stay? No, it does not, because I know my time has, has come. Um, what it does, it makes me want to, as a community member, make sure that, that I can be a voice. Um, I can be of support to law enforcement. Um, and that I can share that all the things that we've built during my time as uh, the Phoenix Police Chief will continue and will continue and get better. Are you uh, are you have any plans to do that? I mean, you would be an amazing consultant, I would think, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I well, you got me speechless. I would definitely look at that opportunity. But to be honest with you, I just kind of want to take a little bit of a break. Yeah, it's only uh, been 33 right, years. Right, so you exactly. need a break. Yeah, for I, I'll just step up and start tomorrow. Uh, but we are planning to travel. So our oldest son is going to be playing out of the country. So we're going to go travel and see him. So looking forward to that family time. Um, always want to come on the show. I will say that uh, because I do bring a unique perspective to law enforcement. And I'm, I'm actually going to say this out loud. I'm looking forward to you coming back when you're not the chief. <laughs> I want to hear what you have to say. No comment to that, Mike. <laughs> uh, as, as always, thank you so much for having us and for allowing this voice of the Phoenix Police Department to be here. Uh, you're amazing. You're wonderful. And to the listeners out there, we, we've been blessed to have your support. Thank you. Well, and thank you for being so honest and transparent or as much as you can be in an investigation and please pass along to the officers and all of the officers not Thank just you. the ones that were injured that yeah, we are exactly. amazed at their service absolutely they are true heroes mike that is chief jerry williams phoenix police department we'll be back in a moment the gatos big q poll question brought to you by your valley toyota dealers hey good morning gatos Good morning. This uh, this uh, this uh, shooting is crazy, man. Yeah. I'm just getting uh, uh, a little bit up to speed on it. Uh, you had Williams on, right? Yeah, she was just in studio with us. Okay. Well, I missed it, but I'll listen to it a little bit later. But my goodness, yeah, this is crazy. Yeah, stuff. guy had on a tactical gear, uh, uh, Kevlar helmet. Um, why do we sell that stuff? <clears throat> um, why do we what? Why are we selling that to people? I don't know. I mean, should we? 
I don't think we should. Why are we, why are we doing that? Because then we get these shooters who want to put this stuff on, and then we can't take them down. Okay, well, you can, they took him down. He's they dead. They took him down, but it makes it harder. So there was over 100 shots were fired, we were told. Uh, he threw a Molotov cocktail at a restaurant. Wonderful. And uh, it didn't explode, thankfully. So, um, gracious. So yeah, there's a. I think it was the Waffle House that's up. I don't know how familiar you are with that neighborhood, but I know that area. I used to live up in that area, so I know that area really well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and it's a a miracle that more people weren't shot. So cops pull up on the scene, and they're taking gunfire into their patrol vehicle, and uh, have to jump out and uh, not only evacuate people from the hotel and get people safe, but engage the the uh, suspect. It was. uh, It was. I mean, talk about really great response from Phoenix PD. Yeah, not a good way to start the week. No, no, it was. It started, I guess it was about 8.30 last night was when the yeah. call went out. So, yeah, yeah, I heard about it late last night. Now yep. it's like, what in the world is going on? Yep. Well, we'll talk about it uh, later. I got a light, uh, kind of silly question right. for you. Okay. Uh, authorities in uh, Glendale say uh, someone put an alligator into uh, Arrowhead Lake. Oh, nice. Did you hear about this? I did not. All right. Uh, what would you do if you encountered the gator? All right. Uh, a, call the cops, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, B, uh, greet the gator with a smile and ask it to walk back to Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, C, wrestle the gator. I could see you wrestling. You're swole. I've, uh, I've actually done that. You've wrestled a gator? I jumped off. I On a $50 bet, I jumped off an airboat in the Everglades onto about <laughs> a four-foot alligator. Oh, my gosh. True story. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm not, You're the, Superman. I'm, not the, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I did it on. I hate snakes. I'm terrified of snakes, but yeah. I jumped on an alligator once. Oh, There's well, my Florida. I'm from Florida. That's my redneck oh, story for the day. Yeah. All right. That's C. What would you do if you encountered the gator? Uh, and D, uh, play a Mark Kelly speech off your phone and lull the beach <laughs> to sleep. <laughs> that is a great one. That's a great question. Yeah, hey, can, yeah. I, can, I, can I make you feel old? Oh, sure. Uh, today... Yes. Today would have been Michael Jackson's 64th birthday. Wow. Michael Jackson would have been 64 years old today. Oh, I remember the day he died. We're in yep. we're in the newsroom and we see that there's something going on and then our boss comes out. I guess he got the word yep. first. He goes, "He's dead." My goodness, he's dead. We got to go on the air and then we went on the air at about uh noon or so yep. and it was crazy. It was very crazy. Yeah, someday if we have more, I'm almost out of time, but we'll have to talk about where we were when the Thriller video came out, because I know you have a story like I do. Oh, I can't wait. All right, man. See you, man. Thanks. That's Gatos and the Big Q poll question of the day brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Coming up just after 9 o'clock, we're going to shift to the economy. Uh, What is happening with the uh, stock market based on what the Fed is doing? Are we rolling into a recession? We're going to talk about your personal economics in a moment.